Hello, this is Troy Woolwage, Marketing Manager for Yamaha Percussion. In this episode, Yamaha Percussion Artist Dennis Delucia sits down with Yamaha Percussion Product Manager Joel Tetzloff to talk about all things Yamaha marching drums. For those of you not familiar with Dennis, he is one of the most respected percussion teachers, arrangers, clinicians, and judges in the United States. Dennis is best known for his accomplishments with the championship drum corps, including Hawthorne Machachos, Bayonne Bridgman, Star of Indiana, and the Crossman, as well as senior corps such as the Sunrisers and Cavaleros, and championship bands such as Piscataway High School. He appears as an expert analyst for the DCI telecast on ESPN2 and serves on the task force for WGI indoor percussion. He is one of the first percussionists to have been inducted into the WGI Hall of Fame, the World Drum Corps Hall of Fame, and the Drum Corps International Hall of Fame. So let's get started. Let's use the SFZ or the MTS as a model. And let's talk, if you will, about all the component parts that go into making up a snare drum. Um, people use different names, although most of them are incorrect. So maybe you could give us a, you know, a, a part-by-part explanation uh, the right name and what each component part does on the instrument, okay? Sure. Good. Sure. Let's start with, with the top uh, piece that is <laughs> removable that a lot of people would call the rim. Yeah, we call it a top hoop or top rim, I think, is, is most common. Uh, we, we call it a batter hoop as well? Batter is that hoop is, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, typically, just, just saying that it's the top of the drum or the player side of the drum is, is most important. But we say top hoop or batter rim is, is common. Those are two interchangeable names. And uh, on this drum, there are 12 holes drilled into uh, the, the top hoop and through which are tension rods. Yeah, we call them tension rods. Uh, sometimes they're referred to as lugs. That's kind of uh, misleading. So we call them tension rods. And then the washers that go around those tension rods, we would just call tension rod washers. Okay, simple as that. Mm-hmm. And the use is self-explanatory. They're used to tighten or loosen the drum head. Yep. Simple as that, okay. The tension rod bolts or screws into a, a bigger uh, metal ring. What is that called? We call that technically in parts pages a suspension ring. That's That suspends the drum head or Kevlar head away from the shell, which makes it uh, much stronger than uh, most traditional drums, if you will. Um, it, we also I also call both the top hoop and the suspension ring a crown because it resembles something that maybe looks like a crown if you were look at royalty okay okay <laughs> so so the the drum head on the SFZ or MTS actually is touching metal not wood yeah it has a metal bearing edge as opposed to a wood bearing edge and again that's because through our research we learned that there was really no wood shell that we could make that would withstand the strength of Kevlar heads. Again, Kevlar heads are so strong that they're used for bulletproof vests. And <laughs> given the strength that they have, there's really no, as far as we know at this point, an organic material that can withstand something that's man-made like Kevlar. Right. Okay, so running down the side of the drum are these uh, tubes. What are they for? We call those the tube lugs uh, because they resemble something that we would call a lug casing or something that would hold the tension rods that are in the shell. Um, The tubes basically are there to position the bottom uh, tension rod receivers in place so that you have a place, obviously, to tighten the bottom head. 
So, and they are bolted into the shell near yeah. the bottom. Yeah, we have something I, I've dubbed as the Frankenbolt, <laughs> but they're Great called uh, Powers Sound Posts is the, the technical term for them. And that, again, is two reasons to make easy alignment for the bottom head changes. And as well, uh, it protects actually the tube lugs themselves if you're gonna do stick clicks on the side of the drum and so forth, it keeps them from being damaged. And again, it actually dampens the shell sound and makes the drum more articulate because in the soprano voices, you know, we want a nice articulate sound because of all those notes we write for them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then on the bottom, we have more tension rods that uh, the screw into the bottom part of the, uh, the mm -hmm. tube. Yeah, and that's actually, um, we call that kind of like the tube lug receiver is the technical name for the bottom tension rod receiver. The top, um, the top, suspension ring receiver that the top tension rod goes into is actually termed a suspension nut. Uh, we, we just call it a, a top tension rod receiver is probably the most common term we use then. And then on the bottom, we have another hoop that is removable. Yeah, and very uh, unique to the bottom, obviously having cutouts where the snares will go. So that's uh, the bottom hoop, as we usually dub it, or the snare side hoop is another terminology. That is the snare side hoop as thick and as strong as the batter hoop? Absolutely. Uh, same strength and so forth. Um, they actually make, to make a die cast part like that, the, the mold is actually... Uh, created for the, the top hoop first, and then there is a kind of a mechanism that they can put in the mold when they're making a bottom side that will leave that blank spot in kind of that top flange of the rim, so making room for the snares to go across. Now we talked about the bearing edge, and on the uh, MTS SFZ, the, the top bearing edge is actually metal, mm -hmm. but on the bottom, it's wood, correct? Correct. Now uh, what makes a Yamaha bearing edge? The bearing edge is the point that the drum head actually makes contact with the, the top or bottom of the shell, correct? Correct. Now, what makes the Yamaha bearing edge different than other brands? Aside from a lot of characteristics that we, just in our shell construction, um, these, the cut of the bearing edge is very important to the sound of the drum. Yamaha believes in a philosophy of using uh, what, we, what was kind of dubbed a 45 degree angle bearing edge. And that sharp, if you will, bearing edge as opposed to maybe a round bearing edge gives a drum a great deal of articulation. And because of the shell materials that we use, we use birch shells, um, we feel that provides the best articulation as well as the best projection. And we feel that Yamaha philosophy is not only being able to make a sound that sounds good, uh, from five feet in front of the drum, but also 100 to 200 feet. So the, <laughs> the nosebleeds, if you will, of the stadium. We want that transfer of sound to be articulate enough to be heard and recognized over a great distance of time and space. Sure, and that's where our audience is. Our audience Absolutely. is not uh, 10 rows away right. from the instrument. It's yards away and 50 yards away Absolutely. from the instruments. Uh, now, how about the snares themselves? What are they made out of? Well, it's a synthetic uh, material that was developed with actually our tennis racket division at Yamaha, and we call them FiberTech snares. The FiberTech snare is unique not only because it's a synthetic material that does not adjust with humidity and temperature as severely as maybe traditional cat gut. Uh, right. It's being synthetic, it has less variance in um, uh, in its tension, so it's more reliable. And then on top of that, we've also taken what you would consider a, a piece of 
you know, spaghetti. If you look at a piece of spaghetti, it looks that shape. But on the outside of that piece of spaghetti or that cylindrical piece of wire, we've also wrapped another piece of wire, which gives it that sizzle, gives it that sound that's classic Yamaha, which some people, you know, it's a little too sizzly, so they like to right, right. <laughs> maybe tune them down a little bit and get, get a little different sound. But for us, we feel it's, it's, an, it's imperative to have a beginning student to create a good sound. It's very helpful in actually tuning the drum as well. It makes it very easy and user-friendly for band directors or percussion instructors. Great. We have a throw-off, part of a strainer, right? Yeah. What does that do? Uh, that's basically going to turn on and off the snares. And then as well, what you're going to do with um, the, the throw-off side is if you don't want the snares to sound or react with the drum, you want a different timbre, you can also throw those off as well. Most commonly what's done with the throw-off is it's used to take the snares off, basically, when actually changing the bottom head. So it makes it very easy to kind of loosen the snares themselves. And then um, the throw-off side is, is usually kept up in the, <laughs> in the snare position because that's one reason it's a snare Quite drum. A snare <laughs> yeah. drum, exactly yeah. right. So now on the snare side, on the throw-off side, there are two wheels. Yeah. Uh, what what are the what's the difference? What are the functions of those two wheels? The one on the very end is a uh, horizontal adjustment uh, for the snare, so that tightens them across the bottom of the head horizontally. Stretches them. Stretches them exactly. Okay. Yeah, you can get a tighter sound or a more open sound depending on how you tune those. Some people like to choke them, as we say, where there's a pinging sound when they're too tight, and some people like them nice and wet where there's no pinging sound and there's a nice sizzle to the snares. The other knob is for adjusting the vertical height of the snares themselves. And this is an important point because some people like to have a very flat lying snare across the bottom of the head. And some people like to smile, I, I say smile up the, the little edges just a little bit to give them just a little bit more grip. And uh, what that allows the snares to do is it kind of keeps them in place when you're playing and so forth. If there is a huge weather change from outside to inside, they seem to stay in place a little bit easier if there's just a little bit of smile on them. Um, not as much uh, horizontal adjustment that's needed. So on the back side of the drum there is one uh, uh, wheel or knob. What does that do? That's going to give you the vertical adjustment again. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that both sides are even and that allows you to, uh, again, if you're going to put a little smile or lay them flat across the bottom head, that allows you to adjust that as well. So there's a knob on either side that, that adjusts the snares up or down mm -hmm. and one knob on the throw-off side that stretches and makes them tighter or looser That's right. that way. So on the MTS, uh, there, there is an, an additional knob uh, at the top of the drum, and what does that do? Yeah, the on-off lever or knob for the MTS drum is just an instant access to turning it on or off, just as we say. You can turn the unit on and get the sounds of the MTS or the multi-timbre snare that you want, and then instantly turn it off and have the traditional sound of the SSZ. Um, it does not include any adjustments for the unit itself. It's just merely made uh, to turn it on and off. And we made it a very simple mechanism by, by design, actually. So there's less kind of for the kids to play with and <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe tweak uh, um, the wrong way, if you will. Exactly. So, yeah, it's more band director designed to keep the drum uh, from hurting itself, if you will. If the kids were able to do, to do too much to it and not know what they were doing, the drum can hurt itself. So we, we kind of prevented that by making it a simple mechanism. The shell is made out of what? We use 100% birch, um, and birch is traditionally uh, used with Yamaha, one, because of the force that we 
have in Japan and the sound quality that it creates. It has a little lower fundamental tone uh, than some of our other hardwood counterparts like maple. Um, we feel it has more of an articulate sound and as well with the lower fundamental tone and articulate sound we feel that that has uh, a sound that can travel a further distance you know because of the projection of the drum but at the same time remain articulate over that distance and that's part of our philosophy again of the bearing edge in combination with the shell material great anything else you wanted to say about uh, any of the snare drums no i the only thing i would add is that each of one of the FiberTech snares does have on the butt side <laughs> we call it the butt side um on the other the opposite, the throw-off side, we call the butt-side strainer. Um, it has 10 individual screws for tensioning each snare. So you can individually tune each FiberTech snare so that if you want them all to be the same pitch or uh, maybe inward-outwards kind of deviations thereof, you can do that to your liking as well. What sound do you prefer? Uh, it's, it's hard enough to get them all in tune, really. I mean, yeah, it's, it it's quite a task. In most, most cases, I'm sure probably 90% of our band rooms across the country, they don't bother with that too much as long as there's not a snare that's very loose or right. causing problems. It really just allows you to tweak one snare if there is an issue. But uh, for our drum corps guys, man, they, they have about 100 different formulas. and uh, Absolutely. They all sound good to me. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. Let's move on to the tenors. Uh, the, the nomenclature is pretty much the same now, isn't it? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we have the, the hoops. Of course, our tenors are single-headed. Right. So uh, we don't have any hoop on the bottom, obviously. And the, the, the tension lugs are, are somewhat different than on, the, uh, than on the snare. Why don't you talk about them? Yeah, we, uh, the lug casings, as we call them, um, tension casings is another terminology for them, um, are very unique to Yamaha. We use a, a lightweight alloy that was developed uh, and introduced to the market in 2003. And this lug casing for the 8200 series is actually 26% um, stronger, but at the same time, 50% lighter than our previous lug casings. So uh, a great design where the lug is actually stronger and lighter, which we're always looking for. Um, making the drums lighter obviously allows the, the students to practice longer, uh, to have uh, less of the back aches, if you will, with marching drums over a long period of time. And as well, uh, making them stronger is always a good thing too because of the constant development of better drum heads and different techniques. Are the hoops the same as the snare drum hoops? No, we use a steel for the, the tom hoops, and the reason being is uh, we ha really haven't come up and we are still working on better designs of different alloys, but um, the tom hoop is unique because we use that inward flange that protects the bearing edge. Uh, some, some tom hoops will flange outward, and that doesn't protect the bearing edge. We feel the bearing edge is the most important part of the shell really, and if that is not intact, then the sound of the drum uh, deviates and is not desirable in most cases. So, so the term flange refers to the direction or the curvature of the top part of the, of the hoop, correct? Yes. So on some brands, they curve those hoops outward, mm -hmm. and on Yamaha, uh, the, the curvature is inward, mm -hmm. which you're saying protects the bearing edge. Now the bearing edge on our tenors is obviously wood is all wood, yes. And another unique feature to Yamaha is that we are able to keep an all wood bearing edge under severe or high tension of competitive drumming today uh, with the use of uh, a, an aluminum insert ring. 
And that aluminum insert ring basically keeps the drums round, which uh, we always say a round drum is a happy drum. <laughs> because they sound better, they, uh, they play better, they're easier to tune for the users. Um, that allows us to, to get to these competition tension and tuning schemes that, that we have in the industry today. At the same time, keep the sound quality of a real wood bearing edge, which is most desirable, especially in this, uh, in this uh, voice of the percussion ensemble. Well, uh, we want the tenors to ring a little bit, to resonate a little bit, right? Well, because when the drum is ringing, when you're up close to it, that enables the drum to carry a projection, yes, correct? Yes, absolutely. And in the sound of tenors, a lot of times um, will become choked off if they're not tuned correctly. We've noticed that <laughs> with tuning today and some of the technology and the drum heads that it's very easy to choke off a sound because the drum is tuned too high. It's very obvious when a drum can sing and when it's within its range. And, um, you know, fortunately the drums are strong enough to withstand that so they will not hurt themselves or they won't allow the user to, to damage the drum. But at the same time, uh, the range of the drum depends on the ensemble itself, too. Sometimes for outdoor use, it's, it's better to tune them a little bit lower and have the projection and the tonality, especially when you're marching with several horns uh, and pit percussion. Maybe in the indoor idiom, a lot of people are, are more likely to tune them a little bit higher and get maybe more of that less resonant sound so that the sound does travel, but it doesn't interfere uh, with the, the entire ensemble. Well, in a gymnasium, the, the building itself puts all that resonance back into it, yeah. whether we like <laughs> yeah. it or not yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah. When outdoors, of course, it's so, it's so dry that you want the drum to speak right. a little bit better, right? Yeah, and especially when we talk about articulation, again, our tenors have a 45-degree bearing, uh, 45 bearing edge. It's an all-birch shell, just as the snare drum is, uh, six plies. The six-inch drums are actually eight plies and do not include the insert ring just because of the size of the drum and the limitations of the insert ring and the assembly itself. However, um, having a six-ply shell and allowing all of that sound to resonate, as well as having the articulation of the 45-degree bearing edge, especially in the grass, when that sound is, is, you know, if it's in a gymnasium and bouncing off the floor, it projects obviously a much greater distance to where when you put a drum core or a marching band on the field and now you start playing into the grass, how far can you get that sound to travel? And then at the same time, have that voice or those tones speak clearly. One common uh, thing about Yamaha that we may be criticized for and maybe people love about us is that sharp sound that we get with individual toms themselves. But when the drums are played in succession very quickly, it's still allowing each voice to speak clearly over a greater distance. And that, again, is our philosophy of marching percussion as, as we've designed it. Anything else that we need to know about the uh, marching tenors? Well, we're, we're very proud of the 8200 series because we were also able to make the drums uh, an inch to an inch and a half deeper, which again allows us to have uh, a little bit more tone out of the drums, giving it uh, the drum more surface to resonate within. And at the same time, we made the drums lighter overall. So kind of the best of both worlds. And, and what we consider to be our, our best set of toms to date. Uh, we'll, we'll keep working on better techniques and better materials, but we're very proud of this series, especially we feel it's it's probably the best sounding set of tenors uh, Yamaha has created, and we think some of the best sounding in the industry today. I agree. I think the, the, the new drums are absolutely beautiful. All right, Joel, let's talk about the bass drums a little bit. Um, what are the shells made out of? Uh, the shells are very unique for Yamaha bass drums, a little bit different than our traditional tom and snare drum, as we use a seven-ply shell, and it's a combination of birch and mahogany. 
And the reason we do this is the, the birch and the mahogany give us a great attack sound as well as a great resonance. We feel it's a, a great sound. At the same time, mahogany is a little bit more of a porous wood, which actually makes the drum lighter. So we have some of the, the lightest competitive marching drums in the industry. And we're very proud to say that um, if you have a bass line, your bass line can march the bass drums because we've made them as light as we can. Now, when you say birch and mahogany, how, how are those two woods mixed? Good question. Um, it's it's a uh, seven-ply shell composite. So on the outside, uh, the, t the, the outs outer two plies are birch, and um, the inner three plies are mahogany, and then the inner, the very inside plies that you see on the inside of the drum will be two plies of birch again. So kind of a mahogany sandwich, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, and how about the hoops? Hoops, we use 10-ply birch, uh, and again, we're just using all birch because it's a little bit stronger, and then the extra plies give it the, the rigidity to make tuning very easy and consistent. Okay, and we have these unusual claws. <laughs> Our claws are... Uh, we don't find them in, on any of the other drums except no, bass drum. No, yeah, claws, we, we still carry the tradition of having a wood hoop and, and a claw system as opposed to a, uh, a hoop with holes built into it like our tenors and snare drums. So more of the marching tradition kind of resides here in the bass drum. Um, the bass drum, because of the tension as well, you know, and the tonality that we're trying to reach with the drums is not as high-pitched as, you know, some of our other component drums. So um, we're able to keep that tradition, and sound quality is actually one of the most unique things about the bass drum, having that wood hoop. The claw hooks that we've used are actually a wider body than most of our previous designs, which is going to disperse the energy over a wider surface area, which in turn means that the hoop isn't as stressed, and it's going to distribute high tension over larger surface areas, so the claw itself becomes stronger. And we use a round shape. You'll notice that the shape of the, the hoop itself is actually round, and then we use a round claw hook because we found round will actually pull in one direction, whereas a square claw hook typically has two points of tension and then will try and contort itself to pull at one angle. So over years of That's use in high tension. Mm -hmm. So our designers, after a, um, many years of using a square claw hook, where the bass drum heads weren't as strong as they are today, was very useful, but we've kind of outlived that generation. Again, with the 8200 series fuel core, uh, we've learned a lot and, and developed a better claw, if you will. The tension rods are obviously much longer than on the snare or tenor, um, but are they basically the same? Do they do the same uh, purpose? Same purpose. Uh, they're a little bit longer, but they're the same diameter as our tenors. We use a 5.4 millimeter. I know that's pretty exact, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the actual diameter of the tension rod. And what's nice about our tension rods is we did not add or go with a 6 mil or larger size tension rod. Um, we found that with our manufacturing processes of the steel that we use for these tension rods is strong enough to withstand the tensions of some other larger size tension rods without adding the excess weight as you would have with larger um, tension rods. So we're very proud to say that our tension rod that we've been using since Yamaha percussion was introduced in 1985 is still around today. And how about these unusual uh, lug casings or tension casings? Yeah, the lug casings is a great development. Uh, again, Yukimasa or Joy Okamura-san, one of our head designers in Japan, developed uh, what we feel was one of the coolest lugs ever invented, actually, on the field core um, or core custom series of snare drums back, actually, in 1992. And that was used before we developed the MTS and SFZ snare drum, before we had the crown system. Um, it was put into use on this drum because it's really the perfect balance. It, it's um, what we call a straight line technology 
Years ago, we used to take the lug casing and try and divert energy, so we'd, we'd push the energy into the shell or kind of away so it didn't pull up within itself. Now, because drum heads are so much stronger and the materials that we're using so much stronger, we to have the competitive tension that we have on drum heads with marching bass drums, it's necessary for us to use what we call a straight line where the lug can, can sit with itself and isn't trying to contort itself to pull away from the shell or anything like that. Now, how about this unusual arch we have here in the, in the lug casing? The arch lug casing design is the perfect combination of sound and design here, Dennis. Joey's son, uh, or Joey Okamura, Yukimasa's son, uh, came up with the design in early 92 with the core custom snare drum uh, prior to our development of the SSZ and MTS snare drum. We applied it here to the bass drum for two reasons, because it actually pulls in a straight line as opposed to trying to divert energy such as our previous lug casings or the old design of yesteryear, if you will. So it actually makes the lug casing 60% stronger, but at the same time much lighter, as in 20% or 25% lighter than our previous design. And then at the same time with the arch design, as you lose mass because you remove mass from the lug, making it lighter, you also remove mass from the shell, and in the center of the shell is the point of most vibration. So at this point, we've actually increased the resonance of the drum or the body of sound that we're projecting, and at the same time reduced the weight of the casing and made it stronger. Are the tension casings similar to the ones we use on our tenors? Yeah, actually in conjunction we also have on the tenor lug casing is an arch-shaped design as well. And that, again, taking more mass away from the lug uh, or tension casing actually reduces the weight, of course, but at the same time allows the shell to vibrate more freely. And finally, what is a rim saver? <laughs> a rim saver is something that we developed years ago, and Randy May is now uh, kind of the champion of that project with uh, something we call the uh, it's RS is in Rim Saver 1632, fits a drum 16 through 32 inches. Uh, if those model numbers didn't make any sense before. Right. <laughs> and uh, basically, what that's to do is just protect the hoop from stick clicks. Years ago, we kept uh, using stick clicks, you know, uh, for timing, you know, and in the bass line, they have a lot of difficult split parts, if you will. Right. So, um, timing issues, and as well, it just protects the rim from uh, damage as well from, from stick clicks and everyday use as well. So, uh, it can also be used, one unique feature about the rim savers, it all can, also can be used to um, repair a fractured hoop as well. You can actually drill through the rim saver and it comes with longer bolts that you can actually repair a fractured hoop, get through the weekend, and then uh, call Yamaha for a replacement part. Right. Well, that's it, everybody, for the Yamaha Corporation of America with Joel Tetzloff. I'm Dennis DeLucia. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. We'd like to hear from you. Send your comments, thoughts, and suggestions for future episodes to percussionquestions at yamaha.com. For more information on Yamaha Percussion, please visit www.yamahapercussion.com. Thank you for tuning in, and more importantly, thank you for your support of music education. <laughs>